Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. Hi, my name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me on most platforms at HyperClean Store, or you can go visit us at HyperClean Specialist page. Uh, and the Facebook group is growing very rapidly. It's a fun group. Or just shoot us a text direct, 918-800-1188. This is uh, <laughs> Entrepreneurship in Detailing with two guests that I'm very excited about diving into. So, before I dive into my excitement on why I'm glad you're here, why don't you please introduce yourselves. Rennie, you start. Where do people find you on social? How do they connect? Hey there, Rennie Doyle. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and or Facebook on Rennie Doyle. Also, Detailing Success uh, is on Instagram and Facebook also. So well, I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this. I mean, this is what, well, look at that. He's taking pictures of us. No, yeah, I'll do videos. I'll oh, do videos. videos. We got I'll videos. chop it up and make TikToks oh, out of there it. There you go, That's man. So it. yeah, excited to be here, especially with YouTube. Yeah, Billy. What about you? Where do people connect and find you? Yeah, you can find me at AmericanDetailerGarage.com. We do have a Facebook page, and uh, I got deep platform guys. So if you get a friend request from ADG Billy, it's not a fake account. It's what happens when you do things like that. Instagram Billy Bogus. Same with the American Detailer Garage. Super excited to be here as well, Marty. Thank you for having yeah, me. And last time we were all together, we were in Vegas, I think, and I think we needed a a bail bondsman. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or hold on, was it my wife prepaid for bail? I, I don't know. I, don't you know. guys remember something I don't? Is, was I blacked out on that part? I don't. Yeah, well, you're out by the pool on the lounge. Well, there we go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> as long as it's prepaid, though, we can see. that's <laughs> exactly it. We got out of jail before you uh, before you came conscious. So you mentioned Vegas, and, you know, Rennie, uh, uh, I'll say this. I've said it multiple times. I was on your episode, and I said it there. You know, launching into an industry and trying to be an entrepreneur going into it, you, you've got to create moments and figure out ways of interacting with people that you might not have normally done. 
my way of trying to go into it was creating a pint night where detailers from all around the country could come drink beer and began to talk because we didn't feel there was enough actual conversation going on in the industry where guys could look at each other in the face and have discussions. The very first pint night that I did, I looked over and you and your wife were the very first people at the table and you were sitting there waiting. And I said, let's go get a beer. And I didn't really know who you were because I just kind of met you at the at SEMA beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it meant a lot to me trying to start something and be somebody that's <laughs> going to going to, as we all know, you've got to take risks. You've got to take chances. You've got to take shots and to put it together and take a shot and to have you be the first one there, man, it, it meant a lot to me. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. But here's anybody that's starting something cool up. I, you know, we tried to be at everything we could, but when I, here, here's what drew us and will continue to draw us to you. It was the betterment of the industry. It, it wasn't a self ego trip. You had, of course you want this to be successful for its own reasons, but you had the betterment of the industry at large, and we had to be a part of it because it was it was it was selfishly done to to take and better all of us instead of just one person. So kudos to you because so many times in this world, I'm not going to blame detailing. In this world, we see people or me, it's me, it's me, it's me. But you were saying it's us, it's us, it's us, and I dug that, and I still do. It evolved into what we call community. 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 Oh, I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah. I don't drink, so I'm going to be like buzzed out of my mind by the time I finish one beer. And as that evolved, uh, we began doing pike nights because, well, MTE really liked what we were doing. And they said, how do we do it together? And we started doing pike nights with MTE, which is when I met you, Billy. And you had come out right after you had run your award and I got a chance to give you a beer and I meet you, and it, 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 I was so thankful that you showed up and you were there, a part of it. It, it means a lot that, that you did it. Uh, so I just want to say that thank you to both of you guys. Marty, I still have the glasses. Remember the glass glasses? They're, <laughs> oh, yeah. they're, they're in a the, case at my house. Yeah, my we shop. do too. Yeah. Yep. All right, we're here to talk about entrepreneurship, okay? I want, as you said, it's an overused and it's an underused word. So let's just start by defining it, all right? So from your perspective... What is entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship is, is building a vision. And the way you build a vision, you structure it in a manner that you have core values and you have goals. And your core values bounce off your goals and your goals should bounce off your core values. That gives you direction and focus of where you want to go. Entrepreneurs should be able to pivot and move out of one industry and go into another industry and be able to successfully take care of his, you know, his family himself and by all rights be successful in that market as well, but I think entrepreneurship starts with the basics. So, if somebody can't actually think through how to move business from one basically industry to the next, maybe they're not an entrepreneur. Is that what you said? Well, I think oh, it's all how you define it. I think no entrepreneur is going to call himself an entrepreneur. First of all, that's a label that somebody else gives you, <laughs> and you just can run with it, right? But, I like it. But somebody told me a long time ago, don't fall in love with anything but your wife, and I learned that. So I think a lot of times people will get involved in a business and they fall in love with that business so much so that they can't let it go so much so they get paralyzed in it and their business doesn't become a business. It's more like quicksand. So you can't pivot and move in quicksand. You're stuck in that situation. Absolutely. Okay. So as a detailer, right, many of us just get honed in on one thing, right? Mm -hmm. So basically what you're saying is because you're right. Entrepreneurship is in a sense where you call it an overused word. It's People don't really understand what it is. It's just a buzzword in a sense. So (laughs) 
if we're going to analyze whether or not we're entrepreneurs, then we should basically be seeing inside of our own detailing business, can we think through things outside of just polishing paint, just cleaning wheels, just to, right? Is that basically what you said? Yeah, I think it's necessary. I really do. If you want to scale and grow, and I, Marty, I'm answering these from things that I've learned, not because I'm better than anybody, but these are the mistakes that I made and the things that I learned. But if you're so linear that you know, your existence of being an entrepreneur exists of polishing a car till 10 o'clock at night, you have no time to think, no time to journal, no time to grow, and you don't even realize what life might have in store for you in other areas. I think an entrepreneur understands that what he does, there has to be, you know, there has to be an outcome to what, what why am I doing what I'm doing? There has to be an outcome. And I think as you begin to think, and the last couple of years should have taught us that, COVID and all this stuff, what I'm doing right now may not be around five years from now. So i got to be able to pivot and move. And with that mindset, doesn't mean you can't polish your car. But what happens if that doesn't work? What happens if there's a situation that happens in your life that requires you to do other things? Bingo. Basically, you've got you've to always be thinking. And where maybe some guys, and this is the reason why I bring it up and why I wanted to, to start at the foundation, is because we all know, maybe even us, Right. And I think you you talk about blue collar, you know, entrepreneur. Right. Yeah, Isn't that absolutely. what you say? Like yeah. there's so many of us that get into it from we don't have the history that maybe somebody else does of running a company or we might not have come from a family that gave us a business. Right. We might be the person that is working a job that isn't happy. And we really wish that we could go start something on our own. And that's how most of us got into it. Absolutely. It was a cheap entry. Yeah. So we might not really know what is an entrepreneur because we just opened up a business. Well, if you really want to open up a business, that's great. But an entrepreneur has to think through, has puzzles, has to figure shit out. Marty, it's like it's like the barking dog chasing the car. What are you going to do when you finally get a hold of the bumper? Then what are you going to do? Like, if we're all sitting here barking at cars, we want to build a business, and all of a sudden you build it. Now you, you bid onto a bumper. What are you going to do with it? Right, no, absolutely. And a lot of people just stop at that or they self-sabotage themselves because they really deep down, they don't know what to do. They're confused. They're scared. They're And, and, and is it because they just got into it because they thought they could make a quick buck? A lot they, of them. They survival. just need $1,000. They just need a couple thousand a month. Listen, entrepreneurship is two choices. It's freedom or it's slavery. Please explain. So if you develop, listen, if you, if you build a job for yourself, that's great. You know, a job is great. A, a lot of people just need a, a high-paying job. I dig. I was in that exact position. But I had a bigger vision than that. But pretty soon, if you're just creating a job and it grows and you do a good job of it and people like you, you do good work, is that it's going to grow past that. And pretty soon when it grows past that, you're going to start going into legalized slavery, meaning that all you are is you are indebted to that to that business it hasn't created anything except for an income opportunity for you it's stale right there you're going to be burned out you're going to be tied to it you can't get rid of it you start you actually start hating what you do instead if you go in with the plan that hey i'm going to i'm going to take and pay myself i'm going to pay myself a good wage i'm going to develop something but i'm going to develop something that's got value and then once i get something developed is during that same time frame i'm going to take and build a life out of it a lifestyle out of it. It's what I call the five-two. And so I'm going to build five days a week. I'm building an empire. Two days a week, I'm building my life. That's a sucky trade-off, if you think about it. It's because we're, we are so indebted to our company not to make a, a living that we have to work so hard five days. And a lot of people work even six or seven days. 
that's even worse to me is that, listen, build your empire five days a week, two days a week, concentrate hard on building your life. In theory. In theory. Well, proven. It's no theory. I can tell you how to do it wrong because I did it. For a young guy to really want to, to build something massive, mm-hmm. right, which is what I think all of us that are entrepreneurs want. And this is, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, and I love the, I want to talk this back and forth because I, I'm a guy that's gone the complete opposite direction. And many people that have been around me have always wondered, how, you know, when do you take personal time? Can you build something massive if you, if you take a lot of personal time? You, you, you want to talk about the entrepreneurs that over the whole, you know, basically America and where we're at and everything, you, all the guys that come out to the very top, they end up rising. They're animals and what they do for not doing anything other than building their business. Mm-hmm. But that creates, which we got on the list later to talk about, it creates a lot of personal issues at the same time. It does. It does. It's, I'm living proof. When I was in my 20s, I had the right idea. I, I built amazing things. When I got my 30s, I went into survival mode. I went into slavery. And, yeah, I built it up during that Explain time. Explain that. What do you mean? You went into slavery. Slavery yeah. is I was a slave to my business, is that I had Which chains means on. what? Um, I had no life. So, like, wake up at 6, Wake up at 6, come home, work with my kids. But was I really working with my kids? My mind wouldn't shut off from business. I robbed myself and my kids from that time. Okay, so it wasn't that you were out. You would come back, but maybe you just didn't I unplug. Didn't, I couldn't. To your point, okay. you know, as I was 24-7, and, and I would unplug, but I really didn't. And I think a lot of people suffer from that same thing, is I just really didn't give my, and, and I, I robbed nobody but myself. If you're young, shouldn't you take that sacrifice? No. Here's why. Because I've been on the flip side as a person that serves in the military, and I've been on the flip side as somebody who serves as search and rescue. And I've had too many young, too many older people make that sacrifice not have any life left when they when they d- take their last breath. But what if you, you wanted, don't need to. What you, if you wanted that as your life? Is is well that's a personal decision, but I can tell you this, out of all the people that I've 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 watched take their last breath that did that, I heard regrets. Mm-hmm. I never heard regrets out of people that were happy in life. I heard regrets out of people that were animalistic in their business. So we should pick out something that we want to do the rest of our life then. You should, but you should also pick out things that engage you the most in, the most engaging time i've ever had in my life is when i'm having fun in my business mm-hmm. and when i'm having fun in my there personal life there you go so it's not so much about how much time you spend on personal life to me in entrepreneurship it's how you incorporate it all if i can do life inside of my business of things that i like to do yesterday when we were talking about distribution how to grow a million dollar distribution company how i did it locally was learning how to brew beer, learning how to smoke meat, host people to come out, learn cool. how to do detailing. Yeah, we had Sonax came on a regular basis. Multiple brands came out and did. Well, you remember people that I was working with oh, at yeah. the same time, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And it was about building a life around the business. Well, and let me clarify. There's not a day in my life I'm off business. So m- Monday, I took a day off, went skiing with my brother and my cousin, right? And our whole company, Double Black, it's based off of lifestyle. I probably checked my phone 20 times during that day. 
We, we, skate, we skied 27.2 miles. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that clarifies it, yeah. right? Because I think yeah. people here work five days a week and take two days off. Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm never completely off. Bingo. I'm never completely off. I've got it on. It's, but here's what I do. I also have it on cruise control. Okay. And so it, it's, it's where most people are putting 16 hours in 17, seven days a week. I'm putting six hours in five days a week. And then collectively over the weekend, I might put another hour in. And so, you know, it's, it's, you look at Warren Buffett. He said it. You're not truly, you're not truly an entrepreneur until you're making money while you sleep. And, and so here's the deal. Are you an entrepreneur, a practicing entrepreneur that's getting, a, that's getting better and better? You're honing in your skills. Just don't kill yourself doing it. Whatever your thrill is, if your thrill is building that business, go after it. But make sure Jocko speaks of it on, on, on his podcast. The average human requires seven to 10 hours of sleep a night. How many entrepreneurs are getting that? Not many. Almost. Some would say you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would straw again, military, search and rescue. I've seen that depleted action. And I'm going to tell you, on the other side of life, it comes out. Listen, I sleep. Yeah, I sleep, I sleep. No, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep, too. And there are those <laughs> rare the, animals. The guys that are in the Airbnb, the yeah. part of the, in the community, they're always in the community pub. No, community. You know? There we go. Community. Community. No, what, there is, what did I do yesterday when I got back home? There, I sleep. There, there is the rare. There is the rare person that can functional on minimal sleep, but that's only going to last for so long in your life because your it's going to catch up with your body. Mm -hmm. Everything catches up. So it's like a marathon runner. I look at business like a marathon. Is that I would rather enjoy that because I've seen the flip side of life, and that's death. And thank God I'm still here, but I've unfortunately seen people take their last breaths. I want to take a hat and have a very fulfilled life and die, die of old age. Uh, I would rather make a fortune over 30 years than make a fortune at 15 and kill myself. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's jump into another topic because this is something that, uh, you know, you want to build a, you want to build a community. Community. Right? Community. And, and we, you know, I especially you, IDA, I you've got associations, you've got groups that, in theory, we want everybody to get along. Hmm? Right. In yeah. theory, we want <laughs> we want a good old happy family. Absolutely. But entrepreneurs and technicality, the best entrepreneurs, if we want to go, just let's start at a very easy one to pick off. Jeff Bezos isn't who he is if he doesn't start taking over bookstores. Mm -hmm. Right. There is a part of an entrepreneur that we have to be competitive that wants to go and win, wants to go and overtake, wants to go and excel. But where do we go into sportsmanship of somebody that wants to take and excel and grow and still be a, some type of professional working with each other? And, Billy, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. I don't know if you guys played ball growing up. I was a baseball player. Mm -hmm. I loved to compete against certain individuals. I knew who they were. I knew they were the mm -hmm. best on their team. I knew where I was, and I had confidence in myself. And I'd love to compete against them. But sometimes competition isn't always looked at so nicely in the industry. Sometimes it comes across wrong. Billy? Well, I think there's different levels to it. I think it's how the individual person looks at, you know, their version of entrepreneurship. I really do think it's variable like that. I don't think, I don't think everybody's the same way. I think they all think differently. So when I look at an entrepreneurship journey, I'm going to come at you. I'm going to hit hard. You know, I'm going to hit you really hard. Um, if you get in my way and what's that mean? Let's define what that means or what get in my way. Well, 
<clears throat> I got a customer. Everybody's got customers, but I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go out there and maliciously attack somebody. I'm just going to do what I do. And if we cross, we cross. If my business, you know, you became a customer, a customer of mine and not somebody else, whatever, by way of a video or something that I did. See what I mean? So, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not going to say, hey, would you like to have your customer back? I'm not going to do that. Should we almost pick out pinpoints and somebody that maybe we see an area that we want to go dominate in? Do oh, we pick out pinpoints and go take down somebody else's business based off their weaknesses? I think you could. Well, that's how that's how it happens in the wild, right? The animal sees a, a wounded animal, and that's the one they take Process down. Process of natural selection. It really is. Now, so, you know, some people might look for that thing, and others might not. So who's the judge? So so-and-so is a good entrepreneur. So-and-so is not. This guy's a dirty entrepreneur. This guy's a, it doesn't. There are no rules in entrepreneur. There's no rules. You just... It's to what level that you want to scale and grow, what level of risk that you're willing to, to risk. Uh, I always think ethics, dignity, and, and things like that come into play, and they have to be at the forefront of my core values before I do something. So just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. And I'm, I'm learning a whole lot about that stuff right now. All right, let's go into that for a second because we've talked about that here at HyperClean. Nick, my partner, he's brought it up multiple times. It's a great little thing to chop back and forth. Just because you can do something – should you do it? And I, I dig into it and that theory, and I love it on, you know, I grew up extremely religious. A core value for me was sowing and reaping. You don't get shit. You got to work for it. You got to sow. In order to sow, what do you got to do? A lot of things, right? I mean, you got to dig. You got to find the place. You got to plant the seed. You got to water the seed. There's a lot that goes into sowing, all to just get a little bit of reaping. That's how it works. Well, I don't know if that was for me or for Rennie, but I'll tell you this because I kind of wanted to say this earlier. You know, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur until it's time to do entrepreneur things. Like you're not, you, you might put a whole lot of work in and get nothing back. Well, was that fair? Was it unfair? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? What, what were you wanting to get at? What was your vision? Well, I didn't have one. Well, there you go. Well, I'll tell you, it, you know, here's the deal. I look at entrepreneurship just like sports is that I'm going to be my own referee. I don't like cheap shots. I hate cheap shots. I'm going to take you out by being a better athlete. And if I can't, I'm going to study you, and I'm going to at least meet your energy. So I like to keep my best competitors and my best worst competitor in business, and I take the rest out. And, and it's not mean. It's how, how do we do that as a detailer? Oh, it's pretty easy. It, it really is. And, and so what you do is that, okay, I'll use our Sun Valley market, Sun Valley, Idaho. Is I went in there. There's seven, seven detailers in town. And so my best one was Carl's Ultrashine. He's still there. Is Carl actually did detailing for me. He did my cars. He was pretty good. Not quite as good as us, but pretty good. He also had a very loyal following. And I tried to snipe off some of his, some of his, his best customers, and they were so connected to him I couldn't get him. So I knew I had to stay at his pace and keep him around. All right. So you're, you're not, if I can wind down to exactly what you basically are saying, it's okay then for us to go and after customers that other detailers have? I do. I did. And, and here's why. It's, it's At that point, that's my business and my livelihood. I didn't go out and attack somebody personally. All I did was go out and do an excellent job of customer service, creating an environment around my company that was good, and providing an excellent service. And it was not for cheaper. It was actually, I went into that market. That was our number one market. I went in more expensive than anybody in town. I took, I took most of those people out by being better, not by being cheap and not by being low. And that's the sportsmanship in a sense of what we're talking Absol about, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's funny to watch. I don't know about you guys. I love old movies. And to, to watch the way they used to fight back in the day where it was also, you know, and 
okay, you know, right? Absolutely. Like, it's just crazy to think the way it was. And then here today, we get to use all kinds of technology. We get to talk from our phones and to people, right? You know, it's it's cool that we can be on a Facebook group forum and we can talk to people on our phones, right? Like, how do we that want to go and overtake customers from people, right? We, we want to do that. But how do we do it in a sportsmanship type of way that doesn't – here's, here's basically, I guess, what I, I'm saying – um, Gary Vaynerchuk, a guy that I listen yeah. to pretty heavy, yeah. um, who's what made me really trying to jump into pints and polishing and what we were doing. He talks about if you want to grow the biggest business locally, you grow the biggest locally. You don't try and tear down the other businesses no, that are there, the other towers, mm -hmm. the other things that you don't tear them down. Mm -mm. But how do we do that in a sportsmanship way? And still go take customers, Billy. I, I, I build my own business up. I don't care about the competition. I don't even look at them. I know who they are. But I just, again, experience, the culture. I'm just all about culture. I'm, I'm all about drawing the right. I don't even, I never have to say a word about them. Now, I know about them because I did my homework. But it stops at that. All I'm doing is creating my own business to where it, I, I create a fan base and not a customer base. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Bring value. It. You can't take my customer. If you could take my customer, they weren't my customer to begin with, right? You know, so I try to bring a whole lot of value in my business, a whole lot of value. Uh, you can buy a bottle of product anywhere, but what do you get with that bottle of product? And that's just one analogy. If I had a detail shop, I want to deliver. Maybe I put Andy's mints or something in there. I have a great, hey, how's your daughter? How was graduation? How are your kids? You know, how, how are the dogs doing or whatever? I think when you bring value, you bring a personal level to that. People that were your customer, you can call it the reverse 80-20, the 20 to 80 rule, right? But the people that value that experience, they're not going to leave you. And, and, you know, you could, I guess you could say I could take anybody's customer. I don't think that's the case. If that was the case, why don't people run off with your wives? I mean, you know, you bring bring so much value that they wouldn't want to go anywhere. My, mine's really mean. <laughs> I wouldn't screw with her. I'm terrified of my wife. Oh, oh hi, baby. All right. So let's, let's transition over to uh, a question. We'll get to family. I'm glad you brought that up, but it's not on my list yet. But I, I, I don't want to dive into that. There's a lot of divorce inside of entrepreneurship, myself included. So mm -hmm. uh, let's dive into that here in a second. But listen, the, <laughs> the idea that we both of you have put out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, which is when you and I talked, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to put together some questions that really try and help, you know, explain some of the things that you guys have put out. Rennie, you talk about being an expert. Right, heavily about, and I think locally and and some stuff, heavy into the expert phase. Okay, there's <laughs> how do we, which you've said it's it's tough to run a legit business. That's been a thing that you've kind of said. How do we be an expert, run a legit business, but then because of things that we're taught from parts of the industry, like a lifetime coding, that. Those of us that are really detailing know that it's just it's just not going to work. Mm -mm. And so, but there's experts in the industry that are telling me, I've got to be an expert. It's hard to run a legit business. And because a customer saw it on YouTube, I just go, yeah, I can do that and I'll handle it for you. And I got it. And yes, it'll last. And yes, I believe it because hey, here's a pamphlet. Here's a pamphlet that tells you it's going to last. Mm -hmm. It's hard to run a legit business, but so many times in the industry, we nonstop are cheating our customers. How, 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 do we do, how do we be an expert? How do we be legit when, but we could 
Somebody when, told me I can make four thousand dollars if I just put this. I just got to put this on the car, and I'll make four thousand. So many people are illegit by saying that. One of the greatest blessings we've had in the industry is coatings, and one of the greatest Achilles' heels we've got right now is coatings. So I would say here, concentrate on this: three things. Educate. By that, you got to educate your customer, but you also have to be educated, oh. and not just self-educated. You need to go out, be at these events, go to formal trainings. There's so many things out there. There's hundreds of opportunities now. The next thing is you're gonna is you're gonna take and entertain, is put a, a lot of materials out to support your viewpoint. But don't advertise to detailers. Advertise to your local customers. And then lastly is entertain. Is if you're entertaining, and you let your personal your 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 personality be known. You do a, you do a little bit of that, Billy. Just a little bit of entertaining. Um, I as soon as as soon as as soon as I see your stuff pop up, I go, I'll hold my beer. This is going to be fun. <laughs> but you know, I think those three things right there. If you just go off of that and you be authentic and you have a long term vision, and you're not short term, you're not trying to sell something because you need the money. You're selling something because you believe in it. People are going to believe you. You only need two or three percent of the population to believe what you're saying and believe in you, and you'll be okay in that market. <sighs> Billy, <laughs> kind of hard to follow that one up. No, I agree with him. I think, you know, and I would say something like, you know, well, people buy bullshit every day, right? Mm. But that's overstating the obvious. I think it is. I think you align who you are as a business. And let me give you an example. Some guys will be like, well, I don't do interiors. I don't do interiors. You know, I'm going to turn those away. And that's fine. But once you get clearly defined on the goals that you have for your business and build your core values within your business, mm. and then you ask yourself, does this particular coding lifetime, does what this thing says align with my core values? Because I'm going to tell you what. If that product ever goes away, so did your word, right? So you go making false promises mm -hmm. to somebody else that somebody Amen. else promised you. Give your word to your customer. Don't be selling them. You're basically a middleman for somebody else's word, and your customer is more valuable than that. Well, I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts then, Billy. What do you think about ceramic coating warranties? I've always told my guys, like, you know, uh, the warranty is you, right? The warranty is you. It doesn't matter what that paper says, and, and you know, I might I – might, Quite frankly, I might piss somebody off. I don't care. This is what I think. You asked me my opinion. I think you sell yourself. Um, I, you sell your customer based on if I got a problem with my car, I'm going to come back to my to my customer, right? If I've got a problem with my TV, I don't call, you know, uh, Magnavox. I don't call RCA. I go back to Walmart and I take it back. So when you put the product out to your customer, they, they're going to come back to you. So they're going to buy into whatever you tell them. And most people would probably agree that you're going to handle that concern in-house. Now, if you want to go back to the coding company and have them try to reimburse you and go down that rabbit hole, good luck. But I think, I think really your word is everything, and the value along with your word is what sells the customer. So if there's an issue, just fix the problem. Nobody needs a warranty. So then it's okay to do a lifetime coding. Mm. I, you know, I think, uh, see, if you want to, if, if you're going <laughs> to... If you're going to let that customer come back for the rest of your life, you're going to maintain that and you're going to stick to your word, sure, tell them whatever you want. We don't have a coating. If you want to put a product like Valor on your car, um, I, you say, how long does it last, Billy? Well, it'll last a lifetime if you apply it every day, right? Every, if you park your car in the garage, it'll never go away. I don't think, um, and again, because here's the thing, Marty, if I say, well, I think lifetime coatings are, are crap, somebody that does a lifetime coating is going to come up and say, well, Billy, I didn't, I didn't like the way you said that. If I say they're great, Somebody else is going to come up and be like, well, why'd you say they were great? We don't offer that. So here's the thing, man, is, is if that fits if that fits your models, your model, if that fits your core values of what you want to do and that aligns with you, then that's up for you to decide. If you lose a customer over that or somebody else moves into your market and takes your business away, then you know where it came from. And, you know, think about that. So, Marty, I don't, you know, I think it's, situa it's situational. 
depending on the person and their core values. I probably wouldn't do it. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'll be the one to speak up. Lifetime coatings are crap. I think it's more destructive to our industry. Um, I think it's bullshit. I think it's. I think we regressed back. I think the worst thing we did in the coating world, and I've got a coating, is related back to lifespan. How can you rate the lifespan on a coating? It's total horseshit. And, you know, and, and, and hardness and all these other things, it's just... You you got to educate you got to educate your freaking clients and what's their clients' habits, you know? I told I was I was told I was going to stay fit, skinny, and buff my whole life. It didn't work out, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to somebody, you know. <laughs> so, how does that get policed then? Say again. How does it get policed? We've got and this is I just want to. We've got an association that really tries to work with the detailers. Right, and, you, and the, the IDA is set about to get you some structure as a detailer mm -hmm. so that you can go through and you can get your certifications. Who who does anything like that for the brands that are teaching them Boy, the detailers? No, no lie, that's a great question. You know, we've got I don't see him sitting here right now. But we got a, we literally got a physicist among us right now. Him and I were just talking about claims that are being made at this show. And you, Marty, you bring up a great point, is at some point, this thing's going to have to be corrected, and people are going to have to be called out for facts versus bullshit. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's excuse my French, I'm sorry, I'm, but you know, it, we, it, we it ticks me off, because okay. I've worked a lifetime of 20 years, yeah, I'm going to get you riled <laughs> up. He's going to start really going. So here, it's, it's, I've worked a good portion of my adult life to build this, this industry up. First off, for myself. For 20 years, it was me. It, as I was a detailer, and, and now it's to help it is to help other people, entrepreneurs, be successful. But it's also to push the industry forward. And to your exact point, who's holding these guys accountable? And that's got to be addressed by all of us because it is gone. It's it's it has gone absolutely bat crazy with these claims that are happening. And I don't know what the fix is. I'd love to have that that community. Hey, community. That community hey, discussion. Community. Hey, baby, I'm drinking a beer. Yeah. So I'd love to have that community discussion. Oh, there we go again. Are they you going to get laid again. tonight? Mm. Diane, you are who you hang out with. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've got to have that discussion among us. And I think, Marty, it's a, it's a great point, is who does control that? And who, when do you call people on the, on the carpet for this stuff? Well, I don't know. Oh, Somebody's yeah. going to have to do it, though. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to have to well, do it. Well, this is a good point. So I'll start. Believe me, you're, you've started that circle. I'm going to start that circle in my pocket. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Start right, the let's, conversation. Let's transition over to, I know you guys are heavy in the family constantly as you know, your wife and, you know, love the Oklahoma connection. We always have. Go. It's been wonderful. Your wife has always been around. Most of my career, yes. Yeah. She, we have four kids. Um, and, and likewise. Yeah, Billy's uh, wife's always there, and oh, okay, I don't a big part of it. Okay, I haven't yep, met right Billy's there, wife. So right there, nice to meet you, Billy's wife. You ain't know? <laughs> no, I didn't know. Does now? I do now. Almost twenty one years, scared, brother. I'm, I'm scared of her too. Yeah. So I I love that, right? I I always envisioned as a as a young kid trying to meet somebody that would be a partner with me in life. There's no doubt in entrepreneurship, you have to have, there's, there's this theory that is a great theory that behind every, good, behind every great man is a great woman, right? Not so much. I never thought of it as somebody behind me in a sense, but as I always wanted somebody that I could link arms with and walk through life together. 
That's hard to do in entrepreneurism. Tough. Tough. If we just talked about before how much it takes, how much work it takes, how much of you yourself have to invest into your week, your morning, your afternoon, and then there's just a hair window that you can give attention to somebody unless they're a part of the whole other part. So I think it's a very difficult thing, as, as young guys always do. You, you, you go after certain things, you know, that you're looking for. So walk through me, walk, walk, walk through us. You know, what you guys looked for, thinking as an entrepreneur, I want to look at a mate. What are some of the qualities? What are some of the things that, that I should begin to look for? If I'm a young entrepreneur, I know I need somebody with me that's going to be locked arms. But what qualities should I be looking for? You know, I, I came with a warning label. And my warning label was I told her, remember this conversation uh, to my wife, is that, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. There's going to be some pretty deep valleys and some high peaks, and there's going to be a couple falls. But, you know, my wife accepted me, too, because she'd see me ship out, you know, on a helicopter, and I would be gone for three or four days, extended period of times, missions. And, and I guess that's the very first thing is to very, very open from the very, very start. Very Whether open. that's date number four, where you guys start really trying to yeah. think through things, Absolutely. maybe that's six months later. Um, I thought my wife understood that because she yeah. met me at that time. Right. I'm building a car wash. Yeah. You know, like. This is me. You don't build a $1.6 million facility and work 40 hours a week and come home and watch TV. That's not the way you do it. Well, I, I did everything in my power to blow it up. And, and I own this shit. And it's not easy. Well, it is easy because I don't want any of you to do it. Is that, you know, I overworked. I overstressed. I came back bitter. I, had all the, I did a lot of things wrong. I did a lot of things right. But I can I concentrate on what I did wrong, and I thank God my wife and I wouldn't give up on each other. She never gave up on me, and I won't give up on her. But you've got to be transparent, and I I tried my hardest. I was at kid events, but there's still times to today, as I get so single tracked, and she'll I'll walk by her and she go, "Can you please touch me?" And I'm so embarrassed that my wife's got to ask me to give her a kiss. Or to touch her. So my mission is every time I go by her is to touch her. And as simple as that sounds, is anybody that's an entrepreneur knows what I'm saying. You get so single track and you think that she wants things and the kids want things. What they really want is you. And stop your nonsense because mine was an addiction. My brothers, my whole family are addicts. And I thought I skipped that side. No, my, my addiction was business. And, I, and I, I can tell you 10 times I almost screwed it up. And I still do. It's still a work in progress. You just can't give up on each other. And come with a warning label. Own your, sh own your poop. You know, tell people what you are. You know how your low points. You know what you struggle with. You own them to yourself and you own them to your others and you own them to your kids. You'll be okay. All right. But so when you first met Diane, what was something that you kind of, you know, besides that you were openly communicated about? In a sense, we've got to start looking for a quality in somebody. Mm -hmm. Faith. Faith was a big one. Okay. So you had to line up with, in a sense, let's just call that religious views, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you had to line up religiously if somebody wants to pick one side or the other. Yep. And then what? what is it that an open, somebody that has open communication? Is it somebody that, uh, that, that, that doesn't want the norm? Like, what are some of those qualities? She was just hot as hell. To okay, be honest, when I first go. saw her, I mean, I, I like was like, it. "Damn, look at that booty," you know. And 
and then I just fell in love with her. You know, she's still hot as hell. You know, but it was, you know, I think it was her willingness to bend, and that we had shared some dirt together. Oh, we don't want to hear about that. You know, that. she is willing. Not that no. kind of podcast. No, 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 no. Not that kind yeah. of podcast. But no, she was willing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Community. <laughs> but she was willing to take and 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 meet the swerves in the road, the corners in the road with me. And I think that's really, and I saw, and she still is. She's a trooper, man. And, um, you know, it, it thick or thin, ride or die, is, is she's there. And I, I think that's the commitment level. If she's that way, I've never seen the woman quit in anything. Nothing. She's never quit anything she's done, ever. I love it. I, I asked my mom after my dad died and started realizing a lot of, you know, things as he stepped out into leaving IBM and a computer company that wanted to move us out of state to, okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to go become a financial advisor for some reason. I don't know why he did that. But they went through a lot of shit, right? Just mm -hmm. as anybody would. And I asked my mom, what made you stay? Basically, she said what you said. You, you make a commitment. Mm -hmm. You agree to be with somebody and you go, you, you do it. Fashion values, huh? Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine being with anybody else. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody else putting up with me. You know, I can't imagine quitting. She'd never quit me, yeah. and I'm never going to quit her. Oh, that was that was my mom in a sense. She was just we just didn't quit. Billy, you know, as you you began dating, as you began meeting your wife, like thinking back to those points and times, what were some qualities that you looked for? What was something that that you wanted? Well, let, me, let me say this first. No one got to understand. I'm going to be very very clear when I say this that the number one thing. For all performers and winners in life is confidence. It's the number one attribute. You can do anything else. You can be ugly. You can not have the best athletic ability. But the number one thing for all high achievers is the ability to know that I can do things. The confidence. And that confidence comes from a foundation. We call that foundation home. So, and, what are, uh, and what are the guys, the ugly guys do? I mean, you can imagine. Man, if you're ugly, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be funny or something. <laughs> Our poor wife. You better have a sense of humor. <laughs> Damn, Rennie. I think uh, looking back now, obviously, I didn't play this. That's been 21 years ago when we, when we first started dating, and I didn't think this way back then. But looking back over the years, what I can tell you is having a foundation to come home to, because I can promise you through all my success, I failed three times more than I, than I succeeded. And you can't just come home and sit on the couch and feel sorry for yourself. You can't come home and, and just whine about your mistakes. Otherwise, why in the world would she leave you? I do have a sense of humor. And sure. I guess that's why she stayed. But to have that person, the, the attribute, and it goes back to what I've said before about being clear on what it is. If you guys are single and you're looking to find a woman or a man in your life, get clear. Paint them in your imagination. Paint exactly what she's going to look like, what she's going to think, what she's going to do. And how does it align with your values? And if you do that, you'll find that success. It's going to happen. But this shit's fucking, this, this shit's hard. Sorry. This shit's hard. And to have somebody that you can come home to and fall back on, that's going to lift you up. Because I promise you, if you hang in this game long enough, you're going to get your ass busted. And you're going to get humbled. Even when the cameras are off, you're not on Facebook. And that one person that we often neglect is the one person that's going to put you back up on the platform, build that confidence Amen. back in light, and succeed ultimately. Amen. All right. So you mentioned failing. Big thing that I've talked about, especially when I've, we've been here at Mobile Tech, I've walking people through the journey over 18, 19, 20 as we, you know, we're here. I talked about a lot of times, many, you, you fail, nonstop failing so that you can figure out the puzzle. It's a game. You can't win all the time. You've got to have to fail so you can learn to play better. But if you're constantly failing, 
Somebody might look at you as a loser. So, why are you guys looking at me? Uh, wait, winning, how, winning, how do you dig through failing count. with a spouse or with somebody that might not be seeing the success and you told them, hey, we're going into business, hey, we're doing this, I'm going to make it better for my life, but, but I'm a young kid and I'm, it's a tough world out there, the economy's changed, uh, maybe customers aren't paying what they used to pay, expenses have gotten really high. I'm, I'm failing, I'm messing up, and my spouse or my girlfriend is looking at me as I'm a failure and a loser. How, how do I look myself in the mirror? How do I grow out of that? Personal development, you start working on yourself. Yeah. You start working on yourself because if you got nobody else, you got to be able to work on yourself. We talk about the support group of our family, but what happens when they're down? What are you going to do? What I think, don't have family. I know all about that. I know all about that. And uh, you... you so how do you do you it? You gotta sack the fuck up, boys. <laughs> you gotta you go, sack up. Just like anything, you go through life is that all the time all the way from where we're a little kid, boy or girl, soccer, football, baseball, T ball doesn't matter, you have a coach. So through every chapter of your life, you're gonna need a coach. And if and when you get in those tough times and you've mentally beat yourself up, A, stop it. B, go get help. Is that 11? Uh, Explain that. What do you mean? I beat myself up because I think, too, I have to sometimes look at myself in the mirror and beat myself up. I, mean, I feel like I, yeah, sometimes I'll, I have to kick my own ass. So so I'll, I'll, I'll be real personal. 2011, I was at a low point. 08, I've been a millionaire three times and lost it twice. Once was at the, a bad, just a bad financial decision. You know, stupid. I was young. Second time is uh, was 08. And by that time, I'd build up a lot of value on my being a poor dude, being raised poor. My value was in my check account, and my value was on my credit score. And I had eliminated both pretty extremely. And I was at a point to where I was ready to take my own life. I was at a point where I sabotaged my marriage. I was at a point where I sabotaged the relationships with my kids. And I went and got help. Okay. What kind of help? Like psychological help? Absolutely. I went to a counselor. And in 10 months, not only had saved myself, I had saved my marriage, and, and I stopped the downward spiral with my kids because it was ugly. And I didn't think very much of myself, and uh, it was showing in every which way in my life. What did the spouse... What did the family, what, if, we got we to gotta pick the right spouse, we got to pick the right family, because we get into times like that, we're going to be better. in trouble, but, but then, what if we don't have the family? What if we're the only ones You got there? family all around you, is you've got to realize that you've got friendship. No, we friendship. don't. There's, so, there's plenty of people oh, that, that, are, that are in it that they don't have anybody. No, you do. You got, you got two families. You got a family of choice, mm -hmm. right, and a family of origin. And so my family of origin, I don't really have that. So I have a family of choice. We're all humans. There is no different from any one of us on the stage right now mm -mm. than anybody walking in this area. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. And we all either have family or we don't have family. But you create what you don't have. Right? So you have a family of origin. If you ain't got that, I didn't have that. I grew up in an abusive home. Uh, been to detention center three times before I was 18 years old. I felt like nobody wanted me. Right? Well, so I built... A family of choice and the family of choice are the ones that you shouldn't maybe sometimes it's two or three people that you should be able to pick up the phone and be like man i'm in a bad spot 
I got to get this fixed because if you can't fix yourself, you can't help nobody else. So what's your cause all about to begin with? You know, you know, you know what the saving factor for me was on one night. You got to remember what I've done for a living aside from detailing is my my weekend warrior job. I knew where this could go down, and insurance company wouldn't doubt how it went down. I I was that critical on how my end was going to be. I had a little dog named Macy. Loved her to death. It was actually Diane's dog. I'd never had a little dog. I had macho dogs. Now, I looked at her one night. I said, well, I think tomorrow's it. I've had enough. Time to go home. And I looked down at that little dog. She put her head up on my on my chest, and she loved on me. And your, your family of choice can even be a soul such as a dog or a horse. Because that little dog, I lost her when she was only six years old. She will own a part of my heart, life, and soul forever because she saved mine. There was, there was, when I was in some dark times, there was a, an image I remember seeing as a kid. I, I loved Vietnam movies. I loved Vietnam stories for some reason. I always played like, but it was also in the, the Russian era where, mm. you know, I played like the little gunner guy that if the Russians were going to come down the street, you know, I, those were the yeah. fun games that I played oh, as a, as a little kid. Red Dawn. Yeah. yeah Red Dawn. Was, was Red Dawn the. My senior year in high school was the original one. Yeah. Senior year. So it was still real. Cause those paratroopers landed in front of that high school. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know, was, woo. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking my shotgun to school. That's back when you could. So there was a lot of things as a kid, you know, I envisioned and, you know, as a, as a young quote unquote kid in the industry, quitting my job, right? Because somebody had told me, because I was bitching, I was complaining about life. I wasn't happy. Seeing some people clean some cars down at the IGA, which was our grocery store. So my entry, which we talked about on my on your episodes, is that was my entry into the, the business. How something that you create, something that you just jump into, you mentioned you gotta have a plan, you gotta have a vision, you gotta have things that you go towards. But we all got into it at a point. We all had an idea of where we were going in. How has that changed for you? What has your journey been like? What's been the massive changes? And then I'll ask the question after that. How do these guys understand that the journey is going to be completely different than when you started? Mm -hmm. Or 360. So what was it? Why did you get in? What was it that you envisioned? What were you looking for? I think it happened by accident. The same way, the same way a lot of things happen. This is why I say these things. You know, when I was 19, 20 years old, we didn't have podcasts. There was no Joe Rogan. There was, you know, no pints and polishing. There was no Rennie Doyle. There was none of that stuff. So we oftentimes just made a decision based on the way we feel. But the choice that people have today is you could pull this thing out called a cell phone. Yeah, it's amazing technology. And if you if 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 you choose to, no matter what mood you're in, no matter what you want to learn. It's right here. You can go into a podcast. You can go into a YouTube, and you can create that thing. So when we started out, it was more like happenstance. I think I bumped into more things than they happened than I actually focused on actually created. Or do you think in an entrepreneurism, you actually have a lot of IQ? Oh, sorry, not IQ. You have a lot of EQ. The best entrepreneurs are actually going to feel and work their way through things, and maybe you just thought you happened to bump into it, but maybe because your EQ and the way the world works and the way just humanity works, connecting with people, maybe you actually had a lot of EQ that you didn't just bump into it. It 
happened because you didn't even know you were creating it. I think that's possible. I think there's a such thing as that goes back to the negative self-talk. I think that there's a such thing as you realize sometimes the thing that you bumped into or, or accidentally happened actually happened because you actually had a certain quality or you thought a certain way that made something happen. Maybe you don't think, well, I'm not very good with technology or I'm not very good with marketing or I'm not very good at numbers, but you're very, very good. God, God created us all with gifts, but you're very, very good at this thing. And maybe it doesn't relate directly to how you ended up where you are. But if you think back, you probably have a good point, Mark. It probably makes a lot of sense. You know, I think you're really put on this earth with an idea of doing what you're doing very well. And I think just a lot of people, whether you're, you know, I wanted to be a trash man when I was a kid. I was a special ed kid. I had ADD. Uh, I'm, I'm alphabetically dyslexic. Uh, I was told I was retarded. I told that I was going to be only an entry-level job for the rest of my life. When I was in my 40s, I finished my, my, my bachelor's degree. When I was in my 50s, I finished my master's degree. Is that education is what you make of yourself. And you don't have to be having a, a, a huge IQ to take and be successful. You have to have drive, heart, ambition, and a willing a willingness to go get mentored and coached. It comes down to that. You can make it. And you don't have to have money. I'm proof of that. But we're, we're, supposed, to to get, money. we're supposed to get coached, but if an entrepreneur is supposed to be the headstrong guy that pushes through and does it all himself, how? Eat your own what? ego. Get out of the way. You're in your own way. You're in, yeah, you, you but just, what if we just want to figure it out ourselves? It's not so much luck. an ego thing. Good luck. Take you twice I'll see. I'll there. see you in twenty years when you make it. If you do, it, that's where the cream of the crop comes about. That's exactly it. That's where the average. That's where the eighty percent failure rates come in at ten years. So the average, the average entrepreneur, the average guy should go get it. The guy that comes to the cream of the crop will be the guy that he's the one that's creating it and not the one trying yeah, to. And learn. don't don't they? I run a training program. Don't think you got to pay money. There's a lot of people. Half three quarters of the people in this industry. I, I don't want them yet. They're not ready for it. You got to be ready for that level. Go out and start with with companies like yours that does educational events. Start out with the free stuff, man. You don't have money. Don't spend money. You don't have. Start out with the basics. YouTube. I always we always rag YouTube certified. It's a great place to go if you're broke. Just get education somehow. Keep, but don't stop with the with the YouTube. Keep going on. I learned every. We we put. 56 people through training last year. I There wasn't a one of them that didn't teach me something. They were the student. Well, how come they taught me something? Because I want to learn and I'm hungry. I don't, I'm don't. i going to be 85 years old and I'm still not going to know it all. Should we constantly be learning about detailing or what else should we be learning about? Because, right, I mean. Skills are easy. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually once you can polish some paint or, you know, scrub some carpets, there's so much many more people that want to know about how do I market? How do I, how do I make a video? How do I get customers? Right. That's the number one question in the groups, right? You've even been talking on videos where you're like, listen, we're not going to talk about marketing. Like how does somebody then, <laughs> how does somebody then learn if, if there's not really anybody teaching it, but I'm supposed to learn, I've got to then figure it out myself. It for, becomes very difficult. For every three hours of hands-on training we do in our five-day, it's one hour of, of marketing, business, and life skills. And, and they're there for physical skills. But we, 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 it's a 60 to 75-hour week, just depending on the group and where we're going, is that you've got to take and master and be able to bring in the knowledge base tied with your hands. You've got to tie this and this together. But really, at a certain point, once you start getting proficient, 
this takes second place to this. This and this are magical, but you got to use these more than you do this. Billy? Yeah, I mean, I tell our guys sometimes I get frustrated with people. Like, you can only. Do you really? I get very frustrated. <laughs> you never guess that. You can that. only develop your technical, your technical skills only as good as you get. I've never seen it. Billy cussing out people yelling off. <laughs> right, never yeah. seen it. I I've love it. it. But, you, but you, your, your technical skill only matters to the degree that you're getting paid for it. Amen. Right? I, I can go buy a hundred thousand dollars in a snap on tools but if i change oil that's what makes me money why did i buy all these tools so i thought what frustrates me is to see guys go out there and put so much emphasis on the things that don't matter and so little emphasis on the things Amen. that do matter and I'm, I, I made a post yesterday in the group and it says man when our phone gets low when our phone gets low oh my gosh it's in the red i gotta find a charger we'll do anything to go find a charger to charge our phone but we won't do anything to make a plan for our life or what Amen. we're gonna do so we even carry a battery backup you can carry a battery backup, but nobody has a backup plan. You know, if you walk up and ask somebody, anybody out here, could they tell you what their backup plan is? If you were wiped out of the industry today, today your industry went away, what other industry would you go into and what would you do? Some guys could. I can't cook. Some guys could probably be like, man, I'd be a chef. That's easy, but that's less than more, you know. But so the emphasis on marketing and learning how to run a business, and here's why. Because your, your level of technical skill is going to serve you to the degree, like I said, that you're getting paid for. But when you go into business and you start looking at things as business, and Marty, you know this, it always changes. You never like you can only get so good at polishing paint to the point you're getting a return, but you can never get so good at marketing numbers and, and all the things that business requires. Relationships. There's always it's like whack-a-mole. But the great thing is it never gets boring. It's very demanding, very challenging, but it never gets boring. Few companies teach marketing, few companies teach quote unquote business. Now, there are some that have began to evolve, right? Some that have began to put that out. But if you look out at the big sea of companies, it's a very few. Very few. Very, very few. And even fewer continue that education. They might talk about it once, but the discussion's gone. So, Billy, how does somebody that's a young detailer pick out who to choose to listen to for business? Well, I think people always relate to people that they like, right? They like and trust you. They like know and trust you. Rennie obviously, you know, has training. He has podcasts. He has the top down bottom. So if somebody hit me up and like, hey, man, I want to learn more about detailing. What should I do? That would probably be, you know, the, the most general answer. But I like the answer Rennie gave a second ago. Instead of get, you know, spending all your money on this, why don't you get to the level where you're ready for this? And, and man, as much as I hate to say it, maybe check out some YouTube videos. Maybe go into some Facebook groups. Hey, my gosh, make my ears bleed. Go check out some Facebook groups, and, and if they're for you, they're not for you. But see, here's the thing, man, is Rennie and I are, are two you know decent people. We love our family. We're, we're by all intents. We try to help people. I can sell to people that Rennie could never sell to. Rennie will sell to people that would never buy from me. So I think it really comes down to who aligns with you and what you're all about and where you want to go. With. I mean, And who you align with. Explain yeah, that a little with. bit further because I, I completely understand what you mean. It, it And actually, as a brand, you that's – that's your job as a brand is to put your own self out there so that you absorb the people that think like you. Absolutely. But if I'm a detailer, translate that to me, Billy. How do I, how do I look at people that are, you know, that are, are yeah. on Facebook groups? Cause for starters, do- if you're offended by every damn thing, that's probably gonna be a hard thing to find <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you, brother. <laughs> or since, because they don't agree and align with you, they probably agree and align with somebody else that's a lot more passive and maybe has a different personality of the way they explain things. And so are, are you saying that if I'm looking at people and I get upset, then I should probably look at other people? 
No, well, here's the thing, like, and I'll use an example. I don't particularly care for Nike or Apple's politics. Not at all, right? But I still buy their products. Why? Because they work for me. I like them. I'm above that. So the people would say, well, you know, I was going to do business with so-and-so, but they really hurt my feelings, so I'm not going to do business with them. I'm going to tell you what, you won't get past level two of entrepreneurship with that mindset. Yeah, man. So you better be able to think past that. If people just flat out don't align with you, that's very different from just somebody pissing you off or hurting your feelings because I got news for you. And I'll go ahead and put it on this podcast, man. So I'm in Apex Entourage. Ryan Stuman, hardcore closer, is one of my coaches. And uh, he tells it like it is. And I've asked him questions before, and I've got very direct answers back. But every single time that I applied them, they worked. Every time. Well, gents. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. We, we, yeah, we got to head get out of here, man. But this has been hardcore we've love. Got, we've, got, we've got one last question. Okay. Right. One last question. Um, we're thinking about the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to know, and this is something we're asking for everybody in the community. Community. This is great information. We ask this question so everybody can listen in, everybody can weigh their opinions. And then as a community, this is what we say. Everybody gets to run their business the way they want to. Mm-hmm. There's not a one way. There's not a blueprint. There's actually not a book that tells you step by step mm-hmm. how to get through business. The journey changes, right? So we'd love to just throw out ideas so everybody can chime in on them themselves and have an open discussion. So we want to know from you guys, right? Ceramic coatings have dramatically played a massive part over the past years. It changes our industry. We've got now interjections of graphene. We've got a lot more people trying to go six months to a year. At HyperClean, we've been so heavy on one, two, and three years. It's been our bullet points. Five years, seven years, there's lifetime. There's all these different things. Would love to know your guys' opinions so everybody can dissect it and chop it up and then use it for them. Okay, Where do you simple. see the future of ceramic coatings? I think it's what you're comfortable with. And I, I think so, what you're comfortable with, what you're happy with, what you believe in. Ceramic coatings aren't going to go anywhere. Um, I think that it's just going to get easier to apply. I think the DIY market's going to be, become more and more evident to us. Uh, as these coatings are developed, you know, coatings go back over a hundred years and coating bridges and everything else with it. And certain manufacturers still are, but I think it's just going to become more and more, um, in need in demand, simpler to use better. Uh, but I hope we go away from this whole, it lasts so long bit because nobody can tell that there's just no crystal ball that can tell you that. Are you going to weigh your opinion on graphene? I think it's, I think it's. I think it's legitimate in some cases. And again, if you, if you believe in it, sell it. We don't have one. It doesn't mean we don't believe in one, but the market got flooded quick. We just didn't, we just didn't go there. Okay. Thanks Renny. Appreciate it, man. You got it. Community. Community. Thank you for, thank you for stopping in. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. All right, Billy, I want to, I want to chop it up with you a little bit. I want to ask you that question. And I've got a couple more. I'd love to get your opinion on, man. So, you know, where do you think, uh, ceramic coating goes in the future well i think it's going anywhere i think it's going to get easier um and one of the reasons i've talked to detailers before specifically in our group about stop overthinking this is what has happened with products if you look back 20 30 years they've gotten easier to use right remember buffing compounds and you literally had to take a wet towel to wipe the compound off right but so now it's gotten so easy to use as a matter of fact you can go to AutoZone, advanced auto parts and buy a basic da polisher and some compound I think as time goes on, the products are going to get easier to use. There's always going to be that customer that says, well, you know, I can go on Amazon and buy a ceramic coating. You know, whether that coating is, is worth anything is debatable. 
Um, I think you're buying service at that point. You're not looking for a product. But I think in terms of ceramic coatings specifically, I think they're going to go be easier to apply and maybe they're going to become sprayable. You know, look at – I actually let me take that back because, you know, with airborne stuff, EPA has a lot to say about what you can actually make airborne. So let me take that one back. But I do think they're going to get easier to use, like enough to where if the detailer doesn't learn how to market his business, that his customer himself, the DIY guy, whatever percentage that is, can actually probably do to his satisfaction his own results at home. Cool. All right. I just want to I want to pick your brain on a, a couple of things real oh, quick you. if you got a moment. Because detailing for money, right, it's a, it's a group you're in. It's one that you're very active in. There's a question and there's a theory that's been tossed around. So I want to put those together. I'd love to know your opinion, right? In detailing for money over the years, there's been a big thing of know your worth, right? And it's been heavy based on we should charge, right, more. We should know our worth and we should, we should do this and we should make more. And we should, right? That's been that theory. It, it's a great thing for many people, you know. However, <laughs> there's this other theory that, well, the market determines what we should charge. Yeah. And so there's a lot of detailers that have really begun to question, how much should I charge? How much should I charge? What should I charge? So if we're supposed to know our worth, but <laughs> the market's going to tell us really our worth based on our prices and what they will pay, how does an entrepreneur <laughs> know their worth and charge appropriately or charge less so that they can grow a business faster? That's a, that's a great question. So where I live in Kentucky, there's 25,000 people in the entire county, right? So I live in a small town. So if I were to measure myself against somebody in perhaps Miami, one could make the claim this is, well, Billy, he gets more money per car, so his value is greater than yours, right? If I thought that way, I would think wrong because your value is in your market by the same token, I could buy, you know, my home, I could not buy in Miami for the same price, right? We, we know how this goes. So I think a lot of that goes in the same way of, of where you are in business. So listen, guys, if you're looking on Facebooks and trying to figure things out on Facebook groups, you have to understand, you have to understand the people giving you feedback. You don't know their background. They could be filling you full of shit. Maybe they live at home with their parents. Maybe they got four kids and they really do know what they're talking about, but you don't know that. I've met a lot of people at these events. I've seen your avatar. I've seen your name. I have to flip your badge around because I don't even, I can't put a face to a name, right? So it's no different in these groups that you go into. You see people asking questions. Well, you don't know that person that's giving you an answer. You don't know where they're from or what works in Brandenburg, Kentucky might not work in Miami, Florida. That, and so, yeah, I, th I think to that degree, I think there's a lot to learn in these groups. But, man, you, you have to know what to take and what to discard and how to think for yourself on some things. What works for me and what do I have to figure out on my own? Okay, but how do I do that? How do I know what to take in yeah. and what not? Because there is a theory, <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's a, my mom used to teach me garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wish that I could give you a magic answer. What I would say this, um, we've tried to build our Facebook group and try to refine it and make it, you know, better than others. I've tried to be truthful to people. And say, hey, this is one place that you can come to that we're going to try to teach you logic. But Marty, my logic might be different from this guy's logic, right? His logic might be different from this person's logic. So I think the garbage in, garbage out mentality is, is whatever sticks. You know, we've, we've sat here for over an hour doing a podcast. People watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, there's going to be something that sticks. There's going to be a whole lot of things that they just pass through one ear and out the other. They might even come back and listen to it again and be like, man, there were so many value topics in there. I think it's the same thing. So my partner at HyperClean, Nick, he has a theory that, you know, social media isn't real. 
Social media is what? Social media isn't real. Social media is very real. That's the people that have made millions of dollars off of it. In the fact that you don't really know who they are. People can just say whatever they want. All right. Hey, Marty, I know where you're going. Okay, so check this out. You'll notice the people that start the most shit online never show up at events like this. They never show up. All the people that are be like, I'll see you one day. No, you won't. Been, uh, been doing this shit for four fucking years and they never happened once, okay? I deal with a lot of people online. It's never happened. Don't be the first one either. But yeah, it never happened. So good, valuable people, you know, will come to events like this because not so much that I want to call Marty. I got something I want to say to Marty. It's like, man, this is bigger than I thought it was. It's larger than life. And I value the times that we get to have with each other. And rather, rather than spend that time debating something or arguing about something, I'm like, man, I want to go back home and be like, that was really valuable. I learned a lot from, from that. Or, you know, I, I had this one thing that I took away from it. All right. So let's close on this. Give MTE a soundbite. You know, why should somebody then come to MTE? Listen, guys, it's very, very simple. So Mobile Tech has been, this is the first time in the last two years, right? We had other events here and there, but not everybody was together. Just the same way I talked about your wife and your family being the foundation of your business. And I told you that confidence is the number one indicator for all successful people. Coming to trade shows like this almost give you that reoccurring confidence. It's like a B12 shot, right? It says, man, yeah, I was meant to do this, what I was supposed to do. The people who are here this year, and we saw you two years ago, you stayed in the fight. You yeah. stayed in the fight, right? So we went two years with no major event. And what that represents is a dip in confidence, perhaps, a dip in support. Because if we can't be together, community, community. if we can't be together, then our confidence does take a hit. Not everybody can, can pick up their own confidence. So I think that's the number one. I know that's what I took away from this one. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. It really means a lot. I know there's be plenty of listeners as well as everybody here live that has gotten a lot of out of what you said, man. So thanks so much for your hey, time brother, and coming you. on, man. I really appreciate Thanks it. So much, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys.